I'm Jill Miller. And I'm Mary Kastner. If those charismaniacs left you damaged and scarred, on behalf of Holy Spirit, we hope to offer you some damage control. He wants a relationship with you. And we're here to support you along the way, whether it's in ministry or in your day-to-day life. Woo! Mary, how are you holding up? Um, I'm doing all right. I mean, I don't even know what day or point we're at in the quarantine timeline. Do, have you been following it all? I, I mean, I don't even know. Well, you started quarantine before we did. We're on week, just the first or second day of week three. Yeah, I think we're Which similar. I have to say, time has kind of flown by, but I'm also ready for it to be done. I would agree. I mean, I think initially, as an introvert, I was so happy for the time to myself, and it felt like a vacation, but after, like, a couple days, I reached a point of, oh, no, (laughs) I I need people. What do I do with myself? I I need people. (laughs) So, so yeah. yeah, Imagine if we were extroverts. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I think I I I would die. No, my extra friends are are definitely struggle bussing right now. So Absolutely. Yeah. Today is day one of like a five day holiday for us. And normally I would be so excited about like five days off, five day weekend, <laughs> but I'm like seems a lot less fun when you can't go anywhere and do anything. Yeah, it's like for anyone who's experienced like so what do you want to do today? Sit in our homes, try to find things to entertain ourselves. Yes. But yes. I don't know if you kind of are experiencing the same thing, but I feel like now that everything's online for work and ministry, that I just am so busy. Like, yes. I thought quarantine would kind of be a little bit of a holiday, but nope. Definitely. Full speed ahead. Yeah. No, I've definitely experienced that where people are reaching out and like, why don't you have time for me? And I'm like, I'm, I, yeah, everything's online and it's not slowing down, people. <laughs> the world doesn't stop because we're in our pajamas. <laughs> Has anybody actually told you that? Why don't you have time for me? Um, I've had people that are are surprised that I, I'm not a good texter backer to begin with. Oh, um, shocking. I didn't yes. know that about you at all. For anyone who doesn't know that already, I am not a good texter backer, but especially... Terrible. Um, with quarantine and the the mountains of new forms of work and recording and projects and things that have come up. Yeah, um, I have been very MIA. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, friends. I'm, I'm still alive. I'm trying. Yeah, I figured we maybe would just share like some glory stories. All right. Um, I'm just going to be really real with you guys. And my glory story is I found a toilet paper supplier in Arizona. So um, I'm not going to reveal fully <laughs> um, what has happened, but because uh, I don't it want... Is it, is it legal? It Just is legal. It is legal. There you um, go. I will say that people like to take care of their parish priests. And that has come in this circumstance with COVID-19 in the form of toilet paper. So I've experienced a lot of priest friends that I know. A lot of them actually have an abundance of toilet paper of families trying to take care of them. And so I have had suppliers (laughs) of toilet paper should I need it. I've only needed uh, one interaction of a transaction of me taking toilet paper. (laughs) It sounds like it was like a drug deal or something. A drug deal going down in the parking lot. (laughs) But that is my glory story. I'm not out. I'm safe. And I have a supplier, so I'm very happy. Yes. How about you, Jill? Yeah, my glory story. I, I guess I have a couple to choose from, but one of them that's really simple is that I have this lady that I work with. She's an older lady. And when Rob and I moved into our apartment, we found out that she lives just like down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's our neighbor. And, you know, just... Because they're older, I kind of messaged her and checked in on her and whatnot. Um, just sent her a text, hey, how are you going? She was like, oh, what are you getting up to? I said, nothing much. I really want to get up to kind of, I really want to get on the baking train because 
for those of you guys listening, I love cooking. Baking is not something that I'm good at, but I love cooking. Mm. Um, and so everybody posting pictures of them making bread and stuff has made me want to jump on that train and try it. Because <laughs> why not? Um, but yeast here, you cannot find like yeast for baking anywhere. Really? Not to mention flour. Yeah. In New Zealand? Really? Or yep. is it just because is it because yep. of COVID nineteen or is that just it's because it's of COVID? Okay. Like I was like, does New you Zealand guys have are like missing, a- <laughs> You guys know. are missing toilet paper. We're missing yeast and flour. Wow. So okay. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I messaged her and I was like, oh, you know, I really want to do this, but obviously can't find yeast anywhere. So you know, I don't know, find something else to manage my time. And she was like, we have heaps of yeast. You can come over. I'll leave a jar outside. So I, I went over and picked outside. up a jar. No way. <laughs> so I went over and I got a jar of yeast and it made my life really happy. And then I was like, oh, man, last time I went to the store, all the flour was taken up. And I went to the store and amidst the craziness, I bought a 20 kg bag of flour, which for those of you guys in the States, that's like a 45 pound bag of flour. Oh, my gosh. Chill. <laughs> that I have now. So I'm baking bagels, um, wow. like New York style Jewish bakery bagels. Oh my so gosh. exciting. So much fun. Um, anyways, to God be the glory for my yeast and well, <laughs> that's all I have to say. We found suppliers. <laughs> great. Yeah, so that's that's my glory story. Yeah. Yep. The Lord provideth. So Last week or last episode, we had our first episode and we left our listeners with a challenge to read about Peter uh, and Peter pre-Pentecost and Peter post-Pentecost with all the alliterations, (laughs) all of the alliterations. And I I was reading it as well, obviously, because I'm trying to, you know, be good and faithful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the thing that stuck out to me kind of in preparing from that challenge and preparing for this episode was Peter's address to the crowd, right? When he addresses the crowd, his speech, he goes out and he's telling people, you know, like, these guys aren't drunk, you know, <laughs> listen it's to what I'm about to tell you people. It's the morning. I'm not drunk. <laughs> listen to what I have to say. Basically. <laughs> and then he quotes something by the prophet Joel. He says, uh, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour my spirit upon all flesh and that your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and that your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Yes, and on my men servants and my maid servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will mm-hmm. show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and manifest day. And it shall be that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I was just reading that and I was like, man, why would Peter refer to that? And as I kind of read through it, I was like, well, that is really what he's kind of experienced that first part what he's experienced after Pentecost. Yeah. He's referring to that because obviously he's a man of prayer. He's read the, um, the prophets and listened to it since probably he was a young child and knows all that. And it's finally clicking and making sense to him. Right. Like yeah. the Jews didn't really have the Holy spirit yet. And no. so when they probably would have heard that God is going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh, like they probably I would assume didn't really know what that meant. Mm. And now Peter's experiences with the outpouring of the Holy spirit. And he kind of knows, okay, this was what comes next, right? Like that our sons and our daughters and and the church will prophesy and there'll be all these miracles and signs and wonders that happen on earth. And he kind of speaks that over the people um, there and says that this is what the sons and daughters, which is us, that's us. Sons and daughters are us. Hmm. And that just made me wonder, why do we shy then away from from exactly what Peter's talking about in the church today? Like, why are people so kind of bashful about it or Hmm. insecure or maybe like 
timid to, um, you know, prophesy and have visions and see signs and wonders and miracles and healings. Like why, why do we then think that that's just something that happened during the time of the apostles? Yeah. Why did that? And I mean like the common thought. Yeah. I mean that as like the common thought, that's not actually what we as Catholics believe. Mm-hmm. But why is that like the popular opinion of people? Right, right. And it's, I mean, if if we look at, I feel like, I think it's a great question. And if you look at the way that the church looks today, um, specifically the Catholic church, compared to the way that it, the Catholic church looked in the early church, it's very different. You know, you you typically don't see priests regularly moving in miracles or preaching on street corners, you know, or talking about visions or dreams that they had, you know, it's, it's just not something that's become a norm, but it was, it actually was a norm at that time. And I, I think part of that too is, um, there's a, a, a Protestant preacher named Todd White. And, and one of the things that he said, cause he was looking at this question a while ago too. And, this, this line kind of stuck with me is um, he talked about that, that difference and that distinction and his question, he responded with a question to that question of, well, if the church doesn't look like it did in the early church today, who changed? You or the Holy Spirit, mm. right? And we know that God doesn't change, right? Um, but something obviously changed along the way, I would think in us would be my conclusion, you know, personally, like, I don't think the Holy Spirit changed and all of a sudden yeah, doesn't. Yeah. God is unchanging. Right. Exactly. You, you look at even the, I don't know what the terminology people commonly talk about traditionalism versus um, the charismatic. And a lot of those things that are associated with the charismatic or the Holy Spirit or giftings or miracles and those sorts of things, that was in the early church. That was about, that's about as traditional as you get. If you actually take the time to read acts, like some of the listeners I'm sure did it, it, our church in its traditional nature is charismatic and engages in that relationship with the Holy spirit. So I don't know what, did you have any other thoughts too, Jill or? Well, yeah, just going off of that. Like, I think that when we think of traditional, we think of, the tradition of the church as far as liturgy, mm-hmm. the Latin mass, you know, traditional maybe prayers or formal prayer, I should say. And those things aren't separated. You mm-hmm. can have a charismatic spirituality and also be traditional. Right. So the two aren't at odds with each other. Yeah. You can have a deep appreciation for the Latin mass and for those old rites and that kind of stuff. And also have a meaningful, deep, and bold relationship with the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah. And I think that 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 puzzles people. And I'm sure you've experienced this, Jill, too, of because our our spirituality has been the mix and the balance of both. Like we love the traditional liturgy and we see the beauty in it and we value it. And we love the contemplative and we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we believe that the Lord still moves in those ways and that he hasn't changed Mm. and that he wants to move in those ways. And people are astonished when they encounter that because it's usually either one, people tend to have one, um, one that they value and one that they have an aversion to. And it's become this weird anomaly. And I think it's like similar to what we see in the States with even politically, right? You're either a Republican or you're a Democrat. And Mm. like the one side demonizes the other, you know? Yep. I think that we see oftentimes if we're having a very real conversation, like really blunt and honest, people think that a traditional spirituality is more mature and that charismatic spirituality is based on emotions. Mm, Yeah. That or that traditional spirituality is authentically Catholic. And rooted in the tradition of the church and charismatic spirituality is a Catholic version of Protestantism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and that it's like trying to be as Protestant as we can be with still being Catholic. And those are, I think, the two things that like if we're, you know, if we're being honest, that that's yeah. what people think. Which is far from the case. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think we're seeing this return to the early church on both ends with with yeah. um, Protestants and other denominations and with the Catholic Church. Um, yeah. Where, they're, where we're recognizing that even I was looking into leading into this podcast, the history of this term that's called cessationism. And I didn't know it for a long time, but there's, there's actually a heresy in, and it, it came about with the reformation and it's called cessationism. And it's basically, for those of you that don't know, it's the belief that the Holy Spirit stopped operating and moving in giftings and those things after the Acts of the Apostles. He just decided to stop kind of doing his thing. And it's actually a heresy. And what I didn't know that I kind of dug up leading into this podcast was it actually came from um, Protestants who were, there was actually kind of this fear of being associated with anything Catholic and miracles and the miraculous were so common in the Catholic Church. And so basically, it was kind of like the miraculous was kind of demonized because it was associated mm-hmm. with Catholicism. So actually, when it comes to the miraculous, it's very Catholic. Like even the roots of this heresy of cessationism came from an aversion to all things Catholic especially the miraculous because and and Protestants, if you look in like the history and especially in, I think it started primarily in like the 1700s, there was, there were even some Protestant groups that were moving in charismatic gifts, but they would even, they didn't even want the word miraculous or healing or gifting associated with their ministries because they, they were so afraid of being associated with anything remotely Catholic that is so fascinating because I would say that that is something that your average Catholic believes is that all of these, like the apostles raising people from the dead and healing people and stuff like that ended at the end of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Oh, well God was just done. <laughs> yep. He had his fun and it's over now. Yeah. Now we just, and that that's something that was for them back then. And I don't, you know, that's not something that we as Catholics identify as now. I remember when I was in Syracuse, we had two retreats a year. And one of the retreats, I think is my second year there. So I already kind of developed relationships with teens and families and stuff. And mm-hmm. I had some kids that had already been, they were already pretty well discipled. They were coming to a retreat. And so I had a session for first time teens that were there on their first retreat. And then during that, me and a seminarian and some other core team members took like our returning students to Destiny Mall, which is like a huge mall for those of you guys that don't know. It's like the second or third largest mall in the States. And their challenge during that time was to go off in a group like of three or four people mm. and go find somebody in the mall to pray with, to go and ask somebody to pray with them. And I remember getting a complaint afterwards from a parent. No. Um, emailing me that we don't do that as Catholics, that that's a Protestant thing. (sighs) Yeah. And I was like, no, that's absolutely what we are called to do as Christians and as Catholics is to pray and intercede with people. And she was legitimately like upset of being like, this is not a Catholic thing. Why are you making my kid do this? And, And she really believed that. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. She thought that to pray with someone is anti-Catholic. Yeah. How, how do we get here? <laughs> like, how do we like, I don't know, you know, like the idea of, of loving on someone and actually praying with them, which all that prayer is, is conversation with God. How did conversation with God become this anti-Catholic Protestant, th- yeah. you know, like, come on. Yeah. Um, And why is it okay for me to say, hey, do you have anything that you want me to pray for and pray for that, like in my own private prayer versus me saying, "Okay, can we pray right now? Yeah, yeah. 
But it's, it's so crazy. I think just even recognizing that this mentality of the aversion to the miraculous and to the Holy Spirit in that way, moving in the miraculous, moving in giftings and stuff came from a fear of being too Catholic. Mm. Like what? This is just how I feel. I feel like the enemy has seeped in and that weird heresy that actually was trying to separate itself so much from Catholicism became a way that we've operated in Catholicism of, Mm. oh no, the Holy Spirit doesn't work that anymore, that way anymore. We're just supposed to suffer and (laughs) God doesn't really like talk to us in those ways anyway, anymore, or he doesn't really heal people anymore. No. And and I had another priest friend who told me this years ago, he said something really profound that I'll never forget. He goes, so many of us are atheists going to church. If you really look at it, a lot of people in the pews don't believe simple, basic things that quote unquote traditionalists would believe. It's what's the percentage? It's like 60% of people think that the Eucharist is symbolic, right? 60% of the people Mm. in the pews think it's symbolic. We're not, we've stepped away from the, the mystical and the supernatural, so much yeah so and it's it's a problem people have had an aversion to it and it's been mislabeled as not catholic or even anti-catholic not just like oh this is something we don't do but this is like against something that we do (laughs) this is so wrong that you would offer to pray with somebody at the mall you know (laughs) how dare you yeah (laughs) i'm sorry We kind of have seen, though, I mean, on the flip side of that, we've kind of seen with the new evangelization, um, because obviously that's something that you and I are kind of immersed in all the time because of what we do. We're in ministry. And so the idea of the new evangelization that has sprung forth and the things that are coming out of it are almost returning to that. The big game changer, however many years ago that it came out, was Mm -hmm. Sherry Waddell's Forming and Intentional Disciples. And Sherry finally kind of gave us a, in that book, a language to use within the new evangelization. Mm. Um, but one of those things is her kind of ministry in gifts and charisms. She has a workshop that now runs in parishes worldwide, the Calling Gifted Workshop. And parishes are doing these and it's an inventory, a test that you go through. It's maybe like a hundred questions or maybe even more. Um, And you go through it and you fill out answers. Do you do this or that? Or, you know, and it gives you a result of what your giftings are and what your charisms are. Mm -hmm. Now, these aren't limited to specific seven gifts of the Holy Spirit or the ministerial gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of all encompassing. So some of it might be writing or administration and things that you kind of have that people or that the Lord uses to kind of reach out to people. Right. And so we kind of see that language returning of charism and gift and using those things because gifts and charisms, the catechism almost uses them quite interchangeably. Yeah. And it was interesting when I was prepping, I came across a section of the catechism talking about charisms. It says charisms are to be accepted with gratitude by the person who receives them and by all members of the church as well. They are a wonderfully rich grace for the apostolic vitality and for the holiness of the entire body of Christ, provided that they really are genuine gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they're, they're used in full conformity with this authentic promptings of the same Spirit. That is, in keeping with charity the true measure of all charisms. So it's saying a couple of things. One, that the church is calling us, mm-hmm. everybody who receives these charisms, which is everybody in the church um, receives a charism and a gift. They're all different. Yeah. But we all receive a charism and gift and we have a duty to accept it with gratitude because the Lord is giving it to us for the greater good of the church. Yeah. It's not for for the building up of the kingdom. Yeah. It's not for you. And so if it's not for you, then it's seems really selfish when you say, no, I don't want it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not it's not about you. It's about other people. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I heard somebody who mentioned, um, I'm trying to remember how they put it. 
they were talking about people who kind of like have this aversion to the gifts or push away from the gifts. And they say, well, no, like maturity and charity are more important. And the response, my response is like, well, why not both? Why Mm. can't you have the gifts and have maturity and have virtue? And one of the things that the speaker said was, it's kind of like saying, I have ears. I don't need eyes. Or who needs arms when you have legs? (laughs) No, people. Like, no, you can you can totally have both. Like, and that's awesome. You know, it's meant for each of us, not just for the Padre Pios and, you know, like the chosen souls and St. Faustina's. It actually says if you go into Corinthians in chapter 12, verse seven, to each is given a manifestation of the spirit to each, to all of us. So the question is that you might even want to consider after listening to this too, what gifting do you feel like the Lord's inviting you into? How does he want to move in you? What gift do you want to ask of the Lord? Mm. Because it's for, it's not just for the Padre Pios. It's for all of us in different ways and in different levels and in the way that the Lord's plan is for each of our individual, very different lives. Even that quote from X that I was reading earlier, Peter says the spirit of the Lord shall be poured out on all flesh, on everybody. And if charisms and gifts are something that that's how the spirit operates within us, then, I mean, it's only natural that all of us have received those things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, this will be a cool point to hit too. One of the questions that kind of came out of that too is what does a life moving in the Holy Spirit or moving in the miraculous look like? Because we also looked at what in the last podcast episode, we talked about Peter pre-Pentecost and Peter post-Pentecost and Peter post-Pentecost is pretty dramatic and intense, (laughs) right? And That's not necessarily the way that it looks in each of our lives. Um, I know it's definitely not the way that it looks in my life and operating in the miraculous. So Jill, I mean, we'll both share, but what, what does the miraculous look like for you in your own life for, for a normal person, (laughs) you know, like what, what does that look like? Because Jill and I are not on the streets with megaphones yelling the end is near, you know, or going up to every single person we meet and praying with them. It doesn't look that way, but what does it look like for you? Yeah, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that. So just to give you guys some perspective, uh, I've been working for the diocese. We have like a really close net team. Our pastoral team is really, really close. There's six of us. We spend almost all day, every day, hanging out with each other. And we're all friends. Then we also hang out outside of work as well. And we did the called and gifted inventory together, maybe earlier this year or whatnot. So I'd already been working for the diocese for two years. And it came back, you know, my, some of the charisms that I had were, you know, obviously charism of healing. It was very similar to the ministerial gifts that have been discerned that I have. Some of them were like discernment of spirits and that kind of stuff. And my workmates were like so surprised by that because I don't really live my life and my spirituality any different than they do. And they really just had no idea that I would even, if I had to put a label on it, identify myself as having a more charismatic spirituality because it's just so normal for Mm. me. And they affectionately now call me the Ghostbuster Lady. The Ghostbuster Lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, you worked on your Ghostbuster podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's what they call it. That's hilarious. It's crack up. But yeah, so I guess I say that and I share that to make listeners realize to live a life in the miraculous doesn't have to look like you're in everybody's face, you know. <laughs> every day being like, can I pray over you? Mm -hmm. You know, but what that looks like is doing the little things. Like we've just been calling through in quarantine, a parish list of people from the cathedral and helping them call through and just checking on people. I offered to make the calling script for it. And one of the things was at the end of the call saying, do you have any intentions that 
you know, you want us to pray for Mm -hmm. and then asking if we could pray for them on the phone. It's those kind of little things and having those little opportunities to to be docile to the Holy Spirit and always kind of approaching your day-to-day things and your day-to-day encounters with a docility to the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Granted, there are times that, yeah, I operate in gifts a little bit more than others. For instance, like during retreats or during prayer ministry, that time is kind of set apart for public ministry in the gifts. Mm -hmm. Uh, If I'm going to some place asking if it's okay, leading people through that so that they're not, oh my gosh, I went up for prayer and I thought I was going to get this. And then all of a sudden this lady started speaking in tongues and praying over me for healing and doing all this. Mm -hmm. But kind of walking people through that and listening to the Lord and asking if he desires for me to do something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that to me, I mean, has been what kind of living that life in the miraculous looks like. Mm -hmm. Being faithful in prayer, being docile to the Holy Spirit and putting yourself in a place to be used. Yeah. And I I think it's, I like that you said too, that it's, it's positioning yourself for it and being open to his leadings. Mm. A lot of times you don't have to go out of your way for the Lord to use you or for that circumstance to arise. It can come up very naturally and very easily and actually very humbly. It doesn't have to be this big showy mm. thing. And even for me, I feel like that I haven't had to chase after these big moments of moving and gifts. Like, so I've had uh, the charism of healing too, and I've moved in that and it just kind of happens naturally in circumstances and in conversations Mm. where I'm talking to someone, someone's hurting, whether it's, you know, physically or emotionally or whatever it is, there's, there's some sort of suffering. And then there's an opportunity and window of, you can just say, well, I can offer to pray with them and Mm. either nothing will happen or something will happen. You know, (laughs) worst case scenario, Mm. nothing happens. And maybe they walk away more feeling more loved, even if nothing happens. And, and Mm. I've seen crazy things happen in just that simple, humble obedience too. like, we had a life night at my parish where I was talking about the gift of healing and the reality of miracles in the church today and how it exists And we had a core member who he had been in this very traumatic car accident years ago and his, uh, it it affected his just cognitive ability. He was just a little bit slower to react. Um, You could tell something was just like a little bit off. It, It was just hard for him. And he'd almost died in this accident. But anyway, I'd finished giving this talk for my teens. And so he came up to me afterwards and he goes, Hey, Mary, I actually don't have peripheral vision because of my accident. And I didn't know that about him. I thought he saw fine, (laughs) but but he didn't have peripheral vision at all. So it was like literally just tunnel vision for him. And so he couldn't drive. He couldn't get his license. It was illegal for him. So Mm. we very simply, it was not complicated. It wasn't this big dramatic thing, but after the life night, um, he just sat down on the, the couch in the teen room and I like held my hand over, I uh, just kind of hovered it over his, over his head and some teens and some core joined, joined me. And, um, I just told them, you know, like pray hail Mary's say the name of Jesus, or you can say your own prayer out loud. And we all just kind of prayed at the same time and prayed together for no more than five minutes, super, super simple. And at the end of five minutes, his peripheral vision came back 80%, like 80% of his vision came back and he could see. And he went to the doctors two days later and they, they confirmed it. And then he was able to go to MVD and like get his license. And he now drives to life night and he has this like nice car and he can get around and, um, so cute. Right. And and he, uh, it's just incredible And I say that not because like, oh, Mary's so cool and I prayed and somebody got healed. If, if the Lord could use me, he can use anybody, you know, um, it's, it's not, 
something that's unattainable, especially if it's me, you know? Um, so it's, it's possible and it's, the Lord will bring you. Yeah. It's uh, just about that docility and giving the Holy Spirit room to move. Totally. And even when we're talking about healing, yeah, we're talking about physical healings, but people aren't going to just be like, oh, you know, my back is hurting. But more often than not, somebody's going to come up and be like, I'm really struggling with this internally Mm -hmm. or, you know, I'm having a problem that a hard time because, you know, my parents are getting divorced or, or whatnot. And those are the opportunities to actually pray for healing as well. Physical healings are one thing. However, in my experience, working and praying with physical healings, like there's actually always something interior that the Lord is wanting to heal and to do. Right. Um, in that as well. And so that's kind of a symptom of, of the bigger problem. Mm-hmm. So finding those moments when you're just having a chat with friends and they're struggling and praying for them. And bringing that, bringing the Lord and inviting the Lord to to move in those relationships. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and it's 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 something that the Lord has available to us. It's, it it mm. doesn't have to be complicated. It's it's super simple, and it's the what's amazing is it's on Him to move. It's not on you. That's like mm. and any moving and any gifting. Um, it's it's so funny I, that same preacher you talked about you know, like the, I don't need, who needs eyes when you have ears or whatever. Um, he's, he was talking about the gifts of the Holy spirit too. And he mentioned they're called gifts, not awards. Mm. Right. So it's, it's completely something that's, it's not merited. You don't have to be holy enough to get them and it's, it's free and available. And it's, it's also not something that you yeah. can brag about because it's the Lord. <laughs> you can brag about the Lord and how he moved yeah, I can't heal anyone. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> you know, like I received the gift of healing like 10 years ago now. I can't heal anyone, but the Lord can definitely uses me to communicate that healing. Yes. When I allow him to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's so important to that docility and that, that posture mm-hmm. to ask as well, like to ask the Lord to create that opportunity yes. or whether he desires that or not. Uh, because it is a reminder that, hey, I'm not doing this because of me. Obviously, I want right. everybody that I encounter to receive healing. But um, sometimes the Lord says, wait, there, there's a directive from the Lord there. And so allowing the Lord to create those opportunities and then discerning if that's right. what he desires at right. that time. And just, just follow. Follow your sense. And one of the things mm. I found to... Early on, I think when I started moving in gifts for me, I would get in my head a lot or be afraid of not hearing the Lord correctly. And I think something to also recognize if you start moving in this relationship with the Holy Spirit or moving in the charismatic or gifts is that you, you follow, I mean, so long as it's in line with the church, right? <laughs> like if, if you feel like the Lord is directing you to go murder your neighbor because they're driving you crazy in your quarantine. Okay. That's going to be different. Like, no, the Lord's definitely not calling you to do that. But <laughs> if, if you believe that the Lord's directing you to do something and you could be wrong, but if you follow that because you believe it's really the Lord who's telling you that, even if you're wrong, even if you make a mistake, the Lord's going to cover you. Because the intent of your heart is to follow his leadings. So as long as you have that docility and your heart is ordered towards following his directives and his will, it's going to be okay even if you make a mistake. Because he's that good. He's that good. Yep, absolutely. Going back to kind of Sherry Waddell's Holding Gifted Seminar, if any of our listeners haven't done that, I would 100% recommend um, finding yeah. a parish that's running a course. I think there's some online that you can do as well, like through the Siena Institute. It's so good. Um, and that's a great place to start to discern mm-hmm. the charisms and the gifts that you already have. Like I said before, they're not ministerial gifts, all of them, or charismatic gifts, but just to start there, because right? I think it is really empowering to see, oh, these are the things yes. that the Lord has given me already and that are already at some level Mm -hmm. of operation in my life. When we talk about gifts and going kind of straight into that episode two, that we're saying like, okay, guys, now go out and, you Mm -hmm. know, operate in the gift of healing or or do this. (laughs) 
And I just want our listeners to know that that's not actually what we're saying. But take time to really ask the Lord and ask the Lord to reveal to you maybe those those charisms and those gifts that he's already given to you mm-hmm. and where he desires to to use you and to create those opportunities. And I would say 99.9% of the time, it feels very natural. And it's because yeah. that's who you were created to be by the Lord with those gifts, with those charisms that the Lord has mm-hmm. given you. And you feel more yourself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's something there is like when you start moving in those things, because you can't move in them apart from the Holy Spirit. You you just can't. That connection to him and him using you and moving in that way is such a joy. And it's so freeing. There, there's really nothing like it. And he, he kind of gets you <laughs> that way. You know, like there, there are certain things that I've, I've just dove into in ministry and maybe more than I, I should have. Or one of the things I'll tell the Lord is the quote from scripture that you duped me, O oh Lord, and I let myself be duped because it's actually when you start at the beginning stages of getting into charismatic spirituality and the, that deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit, it's so fun and exciting because there's so much newness and it's, it's crazy to see the ways that the Holy Spirit will move and is so, he's so good and he still mm. does the miraculous and he always surprises. So it's an, it's an exciting time when you mm. start to get introduced to those things and when you're open to them. One thing that I want to, that I want to share that we'll be kind of unpacking in the future and something that I'm quite passionate about and maybe a big reason why I wanted to to do this podcast is that so oftentimes people's experience with charismatic spirituality or with moving in gifts is kind of chaotic. Mm, yeah. There's no there's no rhyme or reason to it. Everybody's just kind of like going and things kind of seem to contradict themselves. And that has not been my experience of charismatic spirituality. Yeah. God is a God of order. Yes. And reason and logic. And that there can be a way to operate in those things where you learn how things operate. You learn principles. You can actually learn things to grow in those gifts and that there is order to it. Yep. And I think that that's really important to say. Once you discern those things, you can learn how to grow in those gifts, how they operate, the principles of operation, all Mm -hmm. those things. And you can grow. There can be order in that. You don't have to feel like, I don't know what I'm doing. Now I've discerned that I have this. How does how does that work? Yeah, That's one of the things that is on the queue for us to kind of unpack is going through some of those common gifts, ministerial gifts, talk about how they operate, ways to discern things and to, to kind of establish that order. Yeah. And, and I think that applies. I mean, you look at any spirituality, there, there should be some level of structure. And accountability. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I think it has been common in charismatic circles where there hasn't been. Mm. And it's it's not a wisdom that's been in that. It's actually been a laziness mm. of I think it's there's been that you just hear people, it's kind of like a default fallback of we'll just follow the Holy Spirit. And it's an excuse to be disorganized. Exactly. And that's disordered. That's not following the Holy Spirit. So there have been, and I've encountered it in a lot of charismatic groups where that's just the way that it's run. And and that's a disordering. It's mm. not wisdom. It's not really the Holy Spirit. It's it's actually, they're kind of saying, follow your flesh. <laughs> um, do what feels good. And for me, like when I've gone to some charismatic prayer groups or nights or whatnot, that's actually really off-putting for even me who... I would say that I have a charismatic spirituality. Yes. And so you're not alone out there. If you felt like that, you're not <laughs> alone. Um, you know, you're in good company. And yeah. that, know that it doesn't have to be like that. No, no. There, there are ministries that do it well. 
There are people that do. Yeah, and that there is a way to discern, like, the people planning how the Lord is going to move and desires to move in that night. And there is a way that you can create a structure where people receive words, go, and it's discerned, and then discerned whether that is something that we share with people or not. Because people can be wrong. (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> that's just, that's just real. That's just honest, you know? Sorry, that was and my, then, that was my tangent. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's true though. It's true. So, and that's why we're here. We're also here to, you know, there we've, it's common to have had bad experiences, damage control. It's common to have bad experiences in the charismatic spirituality because there is a tendency to move into that that way of thinking of just follow the Holy Spirit is an excuse for do what feels good, follow your flesh. Mm. And it's not really the Holy Spirit in those instances. Sometimes yeah. some, but it's, it's really just, yeah. It's not the Holy Spirit can work in that, in the midst of that definitely yes. through people, but it does become harder to discern for the people attending or what was the spirit and what was the flesh. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. So just to kind of wrap up our conversation and head into our prayer time, we just want to ask the Lord to to bless us and to just show us some of those gifts. So if we can just enter into, if you need to pause for a second and move into a place that you can be open to that prayer and to have a little bit of a quiet place, we just ask you to do that now. Just maybe press pause and play when you're ready. Mary's going to lead us into some prayer. Spirit. Lord, we just invite you in right now. We ask that you would just fill us, Lord, from the crown of our head to the soles of our feet with your presence. And Holy Spirit, right now, I just invite you to show to our hearts and to the hearts of our listeners, Lord, any of the ways that you are inviting us to move in your spirit, any, especially any new ways. Lord, I ask that you would enlighten our minds and our hearts to the giftings that you've given us and maybe ways that you're calling us to move in your spirit. Lord, help us to see the charisms that you desire to give to us. And, and Lord, I ask that you would also especially for our listeners, give them a boldness to not be afraid to ask or to have the boldness that a child would have with their parent to go to you and to to ask for those giftings. It says in Corinthians that we should earnestly seek after the gifts. And so I ask for that boldness for myself, for Jill, and for all listeners that we wouldn't be afraid to ask for those things that we believe you're putting on our hearts. And Lord, we also ask that you would continue to, if, if any of our listeners have had bad experiences with what's been presented to them as charismatic or presented to them as the Holy Spirit, Lord, I ask that you'd bring healing to them right now. We acknowledge that Your Holy Spirit is Catholic. Holy Spirit, you are Catholic. That praying with our brothers and sisters is Catholic. That these giftings are Catholic. And we thank you for the richness of the traditions of the church. And we ask that you would continue to grow us and to to bring the work that you began in us to completion. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Mary. Um, Yeah. I guess just to close up with our practical 
challenge. I just wanted to kind of go off of that spirit of the gifts are not for us or for other people. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we know someone in our life who we know the Lord could do a lot of good in their hearts. And maybe there's areas that their heart can be healed that we, you know, have been thinking about that and praying for that. And or maybe some people that just need to come to know the Lord and to be in a relationship with him. And so my challenge for you, the listener, is to take a little bit of time to pray and discern one person you really feel that the Lord is calling you to pray for and to be intentional every day about taking a little bit of your prayer time to pray for them and to pray for an opportunity to bring the Lord and bring his healing into that. When that healing might look like just bringing his love to them at a certain point. And the reason why we're asking or why I'm asking you to do that is to kind of learn that that obedience and to see how when we actually are faithful to that prayer and to that intercession, how the Lord creates those opportunities. And so I want you guys to to pray for them every day, to pray for that opportunity, and then to be really attuned to those opportunities as well. And to be really intentional in those interactions to that opportunity that the Lord is presenting. There's this awesome program, the Ascension Press, that Father Mark Toops from Louisiana does. And it's called Oremus. It's about prayer. And he tells a story in there about this man who gets lost. He's blind and he gets disoriented and doesn't know where he is. And he asks the Lord, you know, to guide him. And the Lord says, go into the middle of the road and sit down. He was like, Lord, that's kind of crazy. Like it's the middle of the night. You're asking me to go and sit down in the middle of a road. And in his prayer, he felt the Lord saying that he needed to put himself in a place to be found. Hmm. And that, you know, somebody driving down the road is obviously going to notice a man sitting on the road. And he was actually picked up, I think, by one of his friend or somebody that he knew drove by. But I encourage you, just as the listener, to put yourself in a place to be found, mm-hmm. to to put yourself in those areas where the Lord may want to use you in the life of this person. So that's my challenge for this week. That's awesome. I'm excited for that. That's really cool. Cool. Well, until next time, thanks for listening. Yeah, guys. Thanks for listening. We love you. We're praying for you. Amen. Amidst all the COVID crazy. So. Yeah. Also, just a quick thing. If you have any feedback for us or any questions directly, we actually do have an email up and running now. It's just don't shove the dove at <laughs> gmail.com. And you can reach me and Mary on there. We both have access to it. If you guys have any questions or want any topics covered, we'd be happy to. So, yeah, stay tuned.